Hey, it's Danny Howell back again with another episode of Tales from Southern Indiana. And, uh, you know, it's getting a little colder uh, right about now um, out in Indiana. And as it gets colder, though, the good thing that I always uh, was excited about when it did get colder uh, when I was a kid was the death of mosquitoes, or at least they went south or something. Somehow they left until spring. Um, and other things that would bite me. Because um, that was a tough thing about summer. We had a lot of things that bit us. And um, and there were not a whole lot to do about it back then. But one thing did keep biting us uh, into the cold weather. And that was fleas. Now, in my house, we had a lot of fleas. It may have had something to do with the fact that we had about 40 cats. And which... We didn't mean to have 40 cats. Probably started out with two or three or four, but nobody ever took them to the vet to have them not have more cats. And so there are always a, a new supply of kittens just about uh, every so often. And when you have 40 cats, you have a whole lot more fleas than you might have if you just had one or two. And they decided that rather than be simply content to live on the cats, they would like to live in the house. And they did. And there were so many fleas in the house that I literally could put my feet on the floor and watch all the fleas jumping up and down, so excited to see that much flesh that they could bite into uh, right away. And um, I even got pretty good at catching them, uh, which is yeah, and tearing them in two, uh, which is not easy to do. And I don't think I could do it now, but I could do it when I was a kid. At any rate, so we had these fleas to deal with, and not a whole lot of things to do to try to deal with it. My um, um, father would spray and scatter, I guess, flea powder all over the floor, and, which was not an attractive look for the living room carpet. And I think ultimately uh, the fleas did seem to go away, but they may have gone away around the same time that the cats did, because at some point the cats decided that they didn't want to live with 40 other cats, and they all went out and found new homes. Um, so it made me wonder, you know, well, how did people deal with fleas in the old days? And um, what's interesting is that uh, there seemed to be considerable disagreement about the best way to deal with fleas. Um, way down in Florida, um, some folks thought that the, the way to banish fleas from a house was to drag a live alligator through the rooms and people who had dwellings infested with fleas after they dry you drag an alligator through all the rooms of the house they have no right to complain after that well I have the right to complain about the alligator especially if the alligator bit them or ate them maybe that's why they don't have any right to complain about fleas because they're dead but at any rate there you go if you got the if you have the ingenuity to catch an alligator and drag it through the house you think that rather than just getting rid of fleas you have a future in the circus i don't know uh, at any rate, so that was one thought. And then a little closer to reality was um, the thought here was a recommendation. Gosh, this goes back to 1916. Uh, you know, people have been dealing with flea problems throughout the centuries, apparently. They said you take some mothballs and you pulverize them and work them into the fur of a cat. Think for a moment what cat would tolerate that nonsense. But all right, all right, so you got a cat and you're working nasty smelling pulverized mothballs into the fur of the cat and then the cat bites you probably at any rate. I said the, the this, according to the article, this drives the fleas out of the cat and they emerge in a stupefied condition. 
Well, I mean, I guess, uh, although, how does one tell if a flea is in a stupefied condition? Uh, you know, the thing about fleas is, as you know, they're not very big, and it's hard to see them, um, and um, even when they jump on you, it's hard to see them. Um, and the thing is that uh, I was aware as a kid of how tiny, tiny fleas were because of um, the museum in uh, the basement of the courthouse in Bedford, Indiana. Every Saturday, my father would uh, take me along when he went to Olytic, Indiana to give our grandfather a bath. That, that'll be a whole other episode, I expect. But he would drop me off because I didn't really have anything to do while he gave our grandfather a bath. Uh, he would drop me off at the museum. And I would spend maybe hours staring through this giant magnifying glass at a little bitty couple of fleas dressed as a bride and groom at a wedding. And I guess there were little flea groomsmen and bridesmaids too, and maybe a maybe an officiant. And the fleas, of course, were dead and had been dead probably for about 80 years. But they were still in there, and you could kind of make them out into the magnifying glass. But it did show you when you got out of the magnifying glass, just looked at the darn thing, you couldn't see anything about the wedding. Um, at any rate, um, that was something that. Um, that I did do because there was nothing else to do for long periods of time. It's amazing how long you'll stare at something when there's just no other distraction. And that was an example. But um, back to the problems of getting rid of fleas, um, the ideas and the suggestions just got more and more bizarre. Apparently the government at some point issued some advice about bubonic plague. And it said to get rid of plague, we must get rid of plague infected fleas. So far so good. The government measures are when dead rats are found in a house to cause it to be evacuated and to take off the roof. This is what it says. Take off the roof and then the plague-infected rats are considerably annoyed at living in a house with no roof. Um, they don't find any food or shelter in the house because you're not there to apparently provide that for some reason. And they will move to visit the neighbors. And, and this really isn't a community-wide solution. Uh, they'll visit the neighbors, and someone reading about that wrote into the paper, and this is, you know, the, the Bedford paper in my county seat, not my hometown official, said that, you know, when they have dead rats in their house, and apparently they did on a regular basis, they would take a pair of tongs, pick the dead rat up, dip it in kerosene oil, which I guess they just happen to have handy because, you know, you never need, you never know when you're going to need a bucket full of kerosene oil to dip a dead rat in and set fire to the rat. So far this just seems to be for the purpose of entertainment. And then after they burn the rat, they bring four dogs into the house and keep them there all night. It says the infected fleas get into the hair of the dogs. The dogs are taken out in the, in, in the next morning and brought back in the next evening to repeat the whole process. So they're brought in so that the infected fleas can jump on them and then at each night they go through this and the next morning they are washed with carbolic soap and i don't remember exactly what carbolic soap is but i bet it's not all that fun to wash with it so they repeat this process for three or four days and i immediately think after the first time how do you get the dogs to do this again i mean even dogs uh, are, are impatient with with stuff that is this nasty i think even though they don't really know that you're subjecting them to death at the same time and also, the fellow mentions that um, he places plenty of rat food in the room to attract the rats. 
and and now I've gone full circle. I thought the point was to get rid of the rats. That's why you dip them in kerosene. I think probably what was happening was that he got quite a kick out of watching the rats burn up after he dipped them in kerosene, and so he just kept um, just kept doing it. Well, none of that stuff sounds all that helpful, and so far we really haven't come up with a good a good way to get rid of the fleas. But uh, it will end, I thought, with uh, a note about um, the, the sort of the good side of fleas that some people were experiencing, which is collecting. And there was a fella who paid five thousand dollars back in 1904. How much would that be now? Five thousand dollars to buy two fleas. They were Siberian fleas, which were caught from the back of a live Arctic fox captured in Siberia. And it's said that the person who paid this money had every kind of flea known to man and beast, excepting Siberian fleas. And he left with the fleas in a jar and went to an exposition. Uh, I don't show the fleas. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure how you'd know you had every possible flea known to man and beast. I mean, I suppose you could have every flea known to man, but you'd have to interview a lot of beasts to make sure that you'd really covered all of your bases. But so that's it. Um, you know, words to the wise, I think, generally speaking, um, you know, keep that kerosene handy. Uh, watch out for the dead rats and find really, really peaceful dogs that don't mind doing things that make sense, you know, only to, 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 to things that will follow orders no matter what. And, um, and then just, uh, you know, uh, try to keep down the number of cats that you have in or near the house and everything should be good. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you soon.